This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it's Wednesday the 9th of August. I'm Andrew Harrison, in for a holidaying Miranda Sawyer. I read the news today. Oh, God. Welcome to another edition of Paper Cuts, the 21st century newspaper review, where we ransack the red tops and break down the broadsheets with the weirdest, wildest, and occasionally finest that Fleet Street has to offer. There's a new edition every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, out round about lunchtime. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you will never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Hack the vote, don't hack the vote, baby. Massive data breach at the Electoral Commission could expose private information belonging to 40 million of us. AI, AI, no. Is artificial intelligence going to write the pop music and the horoscopes? The FT and the star think so, but guess which one of them thinks what? And it's a veg issue. The Telegraph gloats over the crash of veggie burger firm Beyond Meat. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts. I'm Andrew Harrison. We are getting some fantastic reviews from our listeners. Big shout to Glad to Wear Glasses on Apple Podcasts, who says, five stars, absolutely love this podcast slash loss leader for the Daily Star. Fair enough. Checks in the post. I'm also glad to wear glasses. So who's with us today to plough on through the print mountain? Hello to New Statesman columnist and author of Escape, How a Generation Shaped, Destroyed and Survived the Internet, out next week in paperback. It's Marie LeCant. Hello, Marie. Hello. Also with us is stand-up comic, actor and writer, Fergus Craig. All right, Fergus. Hi, guys. So what have we got on the front pages today? Marie, what have you got? Um, well, so picture-wise in general, there's lots of stuff from Sinead O'Connor's funeral. So yes. lots of really, really sort of like touching uh, images. So and the Telegraph leads on some pay-freeze loophole, uh, making mandarins way too well-paid, etc., etc., and so on and so forth, which is not that interesting. But um, they do go quite big on Russians blamed for cyber attack on data, 40 million UK voters, which is obviously a massive story we'll be talking about later. Mm. Um, then uh, the Times says weight loss drug can cut heart attacks and strokes, uh, which is good news. We, we, we like uh, good health news. Uh, obviously mentions um, the hacking of the electoral rule as well. Then the Daily Mail, you'll be shocked to hear, also goes in really big on this, saying two data breaches that just defy belief. So obviously talking about the Electoral Commission one, but also the PSNI story, which uh, we'll be talking about in a bit. And and it's so serious that they've put the word two in red. They two have. data they breaches. Yeah, yes. Not just one, not three either. Let's not get carried yes. away, but two. It is a major story. We'll come to it in a minute. Fergus, what have you got? Uh, I've got The Guardian. Uh, Water companies face £800 million legal action over raw sewage allegations. Basically, 
uh, I think we all could be in line potentially at some indeterminate point in the future. We could be in line for forty pounds compensation. That's going to buy a lot of diarrhea medicine. So that's something to look forward to. Um, the Sun uh, has got something about the barge. Uh, it says, as Labour and lefty lawyers moan about cruel barge, first arrival says, I like it. It's astonishing. Uh, they've got a huge speech balloon coming out of this barge saying, I like it, as if the barge is like the Beano or something. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's, it's, it's odd. Inside, it's also got, this is no prison ship, it's a floating hotel, which it seems like mixed messaging because isn't their whole thing meant to be... Get them out of hotels. Yeah, the, the whole thing is like make them we don't, suffer, so we don't they want, want to be come. happy. Yeah, and now the story is well, it's actually quite nice. So maybe we'll all be living on barges soon. Yeah, I kind of don't believe it. I think that they've kind of massaged that one. I believe every word they say. <laughs> Uh, and the Daily Star have gone with uh, this big story that uh, AI is replacing psychics. They didn't see that coming. <laughs> with the obligatory Terminator with a crystal ball on the front. So let's get straight into those data breach stories, not just the hacking of the Electoral Commission, which holds uh, electoral data on everybody who's registered to vote, but also the leak of the identity of every member of the police service of Northern Ireland, which is quite terrifying. Murray, these are two separate stories that were landed on the same day. Tell us what's happened. The Electoral Commission uh, came out to say that they got hacked uh, in August 2021 by... God knows who, but only realised late last year. So, like you know, so the, the, the hackers were kind of in those systems, able to access the data um, from the Electoral Commission for all this time. So, yeah, they, they realised that last year, and then took some time to basically kick the hackers out um, and make their security up to scratch again. Which is why they've, you know, they've come out with it now. Um, and again, you know, that they, they do not e either they do not know sincerely who did it, or they're not saying, but we have no idea. And the second story, which again is entirely different, so the PSNI, the police service in Northern Ireland was answering a freedom of information request on, I think, the number of people per rank in the PSNI, but actually attached, and this is such a, you know, stupid mistake, and I feel very bad for the poor sod who's done it, um, an Excel spreadsheet, but having not realised there were other tabs there, that included every name of every police officer uh, working for the force, even kind of more like civilian uh, positions, which was, I found that really striking yesterday because you saw that, especially the second story, and kind of people in England, the Scottish people going, oh, you know, this seems bad, but anyway, and actually people either like living in Northern Ireland or, you know, who have lots of knowledge of that, that bit of the world going, this is incredibly yeah. bad, unbelievably bad. I mean, the, the most recent time a police officer was assaulted uh, in Northern Ireland was, I think, in February this year. So, so it is very much an active problem. Do we know who they sent the spreadsheet to by mistake? Uh, well, the problem is any FOI that gets replied to then goes up on what do they know and not on kind of websites. Oh, so, I know, so the data is completely out now and you you, can't, you definitely can't put the toothpaste uh, back in the tube. Like, it's been um, shared on WhatsApp, etc. Like, it's it's out, out. That's terrifying. It, it, it really is. And you know, there's been lots of stories since then as well, kind of online on police officers being terrified because some of them, you know, their families did not even know they were police officers or like, there was actually a really... Um, sad story of someone uh, working for the PSNI who'd not had um, who'd not been to his mum's house for a decade uh, because he didn't want to involve his mum in any way in his work and stuff. So no, no, it, it is really like it's really hard to overstate just how big this story is and how horrible um, it is as a fuck up. On the um, electoral commission uh, hacking because it is a hacking, it's not an inadvertent yeah. uh, data breach. The Times is pointing the finger at the Russians 
do we know what might who might be behind this? Because obviously the Russian state has form for using supposed criminal gangs or independent organizations actually as an arm of its digital warfare and the rest of the world. So infamously, the Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg, run by Prigozhin, the coup guy, presently like just kicking back in Belarus. What is the time saying? And does anybody know who's, who could possibly be behind this? Uh, no. So I think it's a classic. And again, that's a very newspaper way of saying it. Of a, you know, fingers are being pointed at mm. Russia. Usually that sort of hack uh, ends with a ransom demand of saying, actually, you know, we've hacked everything and give us X amount of Bitcoin usually and then we'll release everything. Whereas uh, this was very clearly the hackers went in and, and kind of stayed there for a very long time and clearly were very, very keen on not being noticed. So it feels like it being a state actor, um, is quite likely. So I think other papers have said that, you know, it could be China and it, maybe yeah. it could be Iran. It could be, I think, North Korea. So, so, so it's not, again, we're not, there is a lot of speculation. I think Russia feels most likely, um, I, I say, as a kind of mildly informed guess. But, but again, n- no one's in a position to definitively say it was them. And given that uh, over the past decades, Russia has deliberately set out to disrupt two presidential elections in the United States and at least one referendum, well, one referendum here mm. and possibly other general elections. It seems highly unlikely that it would be someone else. Then again, another state actor could have gone, well, the Russians did mm. achieve their goals from it and they made Brexit happen. This is another way to sort of undermine trust in uh, elections in the UK. And so mm. it uh, is because actually, so, and, and I think that that was the thing that is probably worth remembering of like not, you know, a, a lot of the data they had access to was not incredibly sort of like confidential, like people are not really at risk of anything. So again, so it, it feels nearly like a sort of political hack, as you say, yeah. of saying actually, you know, we're in here, like a kind of mind game, I suppose. Vegas, does this worry you? Do you kind of imagine that suddenly a load of de- delivery is going to turn up at your house that's been ordered by a Russian? Well, that, sounds, that sounds quite nice. That sounds like a treat. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't worry me. It, every time you always... It sounds scarier initially, doesn't it? Like data breach. Obviously, the Northern Ireland thing is it's completely different and that feels like the actual big story. But the headline is scary when it says data breach. But it's like all it is is names and addresses. And that's, that's fine, isn't it? It's only is like... It, is it, though? Isn't it? Is it, though? I mean, there's quite a lot of people who don't want their addresses to be known. People who have got fleeing domestic violence or, or I don't know, running pop stars. podcasts. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not particularly worried about it. And I think it's... it's Well, obviously, if they're trying to uh, hack the Electoral Commission, you think, oh, well, they'll be trying to mess with our elections. But our sort of saving grace as a country is that we've got this sort of medieval system of just picking up a pencil and putting an X in a box and a piece of paper, and you can't really hack that. Meanwhile, get out of the way, human scum. The march of artificial intelligence continues as the machines take over all the interesting jobs and leave us with only residential care and zero hours contracts to do deliveries. The unlikely duo of the Financial Times and the Daily Star have dire warnings today. The machines are going to make the pop music and predict the future. Fergus, let's look at this FT story first, which is quite remarkable. Um, Universal to license artists' voices to Google. What does that mean? Basically, it seems like, obviously, now AI can imitate and create a lot of things, and that includes uh, music, and that includes imitating the voices of famous stars. So that's obviously got people like, there was a song a while ago that wasn't by Drake and The Weeknd, 
but it was AI created and it sounded like it was by them and they it, well, just... it lacked the real absolute truth of Drake. How awful. <laughs> yeah. I actually like Drake, yeah. so I won't have a bad word said against him. It will Thank if you come to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously they're like annoyed about that uh, and, and then that's got implications in the future for artists mm. you know so uh, the I'm trying to understand it entirely well the Does idea it... seems to be that um, people are already making deep fakes somebody has made a deep fake of Johnny Cash singing Barbie Barbie Girl which I'm quite intrigued to hear people's voices have been used without their permission to train AI to say, hey, I want, you know, uh, I want John Lennon doing Shake It Off or or I want Taylor Swift doing... I don't want that. Back in the US, well, want <laughs> is doing a lot of, you know, a lot of heavy lifting there. So the approach here seems to be, well, it's going to happen. Let's effectively do what Apple Music and iTunes did with legal downloading. Let's make it legal, license it and get paid. So, uh, you know, Universal is offering the kind of sound imprint of the artists to Google so that when they generate a, I don't know, Kurt Cobain sound alike or a Jarvis Cocker sound alike, then there is monetization goes back into the pot and the artist, or more likely the artist's estate, gets paid. Obviously, it's a worry for someone like Drake if in the future people were able to create new Drake music. And it's he wasn't a worry making for people any... like me if people are going to create more Drake music. But anyway, look, I've, I've drawn a line in the sand and I won't have another word said. But uh, if Drake, let's, let's just make this a podcast Drake, about Drake. Yeah. <laughs> look, he's got, he's, I honestly think he's got one of the, the best back catalogues of this century. Okay, now... If Drake, yeah, you, you've lost us. You've lost <laughs> us. Like, really bad. Here. I, you keep bringing it, but you know, like right, okay. Yeah. So, the artificial creation of the songs. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of um, we're in a position where um, the person's unique sonic fingerprint can be used. Do you think this is a good thing, Fergus? It's obviously a worrying thing for someone like me, a creative person. You know, I don't want AI to be writing sitcoms. I think it's it's a worrying thing for journalists, isn't it? That's mm. why they keep talking about it. They keep talking about uh, creative industries being uh, in, in threatened by AI. When uh, it's presumably there's a lot of other industries that are really under threat from AI, but you don't hear about that, do you? Because it's the, the creative people who are really... Well, I think it's because it makes a headline, but also it's because it's, it's stuff that people really relate to. You, you know... There's a big change going to come in the legal industry where a lot of the kind of uh, legal clerk stuff, the kind of searching of documents, the reconstructing of arguments from past case law and so forth, that's going to get done by AI. That's going to put thousands, possibly tens of thousands of people out of work. But it's not a very sexy story and people don't like lawyers, but they like pop stars and they like comedians and they like actors so they can relate to it and they don't like the idea that what they thought on the radio was an Ed Sheeran song was actually a digital AI Ed Sheeran sound like. So that's that's why it makes the story. If in 10 years' time there's a lot more AI-created Ed Sheeran music coming out and he's not making any money from it, mm. then his only option is to cancel himself, <laughs> to start doing 200 tweets a day about trans issues, <laughs> get cancelled, yeah. and therefore no one can make money off his name anymore. This is this is true. Um, Maria, you up for mechanically recovered pop music where the artists are immortal and actually don't have to do any work anymore? Ah, so I I have a number of thoughts about this, and all of them are conflicting, um, which is annoying. 
Uh, but no, because my I feel like my original thought would be no. This is obviously very bad. Like you know, I, I really love music and feel passionately about it, and obviously you should have real people making it. But then my slightly sort of um, I don't know my, my kind of like grumpy dad view, and I use grumpy dad as a gender neutral term here. Is that actually you know is is it is it really a source of massive change when you look at you know so much pop music today is you know so the lyrics quote unquote are written by like twelve different people and then whoever records the song after that you know one million layers of everything and edits go into you know the, the kind of vocals. Uh, etc. So, you know, every song is made by committee anyway, and the pop star, again, kind of quote-unquote, doesn't do a whole amount. So I'm like, actually, like, is there, is there as big of a step between that and AI as we think there is? But then obviously yeah. I think I, I am more worried for more kind of, I guess, legitimate music. Obviously I'm not talking about, look, Drake is legitimate. I want to make that very clear. I, I, I believe that we're kind of halfway there anyway, even without mm. the tech to, you know, make songs without people. Um, but yeah, but more broadly, it, it does feel like a concern. There's a really interesting quote from um, somebody from Universal, their general counsel, a guy called Jeffrey Halston. An artist's voice is often the most valuable part of their livelihood and public persona. And to steal it, no matter what the means, is wrong. But like selling it is fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so are we in it for the artistic integrity or are we in it for just like, if we get paid, it's okay? It'd be funny if in like, this will be a funny little time capsule piece, this segment here, if in like 20, 30 years time, the robots have taken over yeah. and this is what really bothers us. I'm going to sound like <laughs> the guy who said, well, the motor car should be stopped. What about the horses? They should have to walk in front of uh, of it with a red flag. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like, yeah, we're, and we, we put out this idea of fake pop music to distract them. Meanwhile, we were hacking their electoral rolls and getting ready to do a full Skynet. Fergus, there's also the AI psychics in the star. Yeah, I went to see a, a psychic about a month ago. Were they expecting it? Are you having a yeah. breakdown? No, my girlfriend did it for her birthday. We all went to see a, a, have a tarot card reading. I'd never had it done. Apparently something really big is going to happen for me in October. Really? Yeah, really big, really good. Okay. What is it and when's it coming out? Well, is it, oh God, I might that... be writing in New York, apparently. Is that your girlfriend's really long-winded way of asking you to propose? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe. What's going on with the AI psychics? Uh, yeah, basically, um, people are just going to clairvoyance online to find out what lies ahead for them. Hmm. So that's obviously a big threat to the clairvoyance. But if if that if something big doesn't happen for me in October, then um, I'll I'll be just I'll be going to AI clairvoyance from now on. Surely, if we're going to go to like Mystic Megatron, whatever, and ask the Very the good. Future. Can I just say, let's not let that slide. Mystic <laughs> Megatron, good. there you go. Actually, AI should be good at predicting things because AI deals with huge data sets. So it's not just Derek Akora saying there's a presence in the room and I feel it's telling me something. The AI can actually scrape a whole load of data, your data, the world's data, and go, I think, I think it's highly likely you're going to die in 2029. And it might be right, which is quite terrifying. Yeah, I'd like a bit more than that, please. Okay. <laughs> well, it may tell you you meet a tall, dark stranger. No, you're right. The date, that's, isn't that the Dominic Cummings thing, isn't it? Yes. Marie, this sounds like something from out of Futurama. Uh, you know, the idea that you can actually have a properly connected, digitised predictor of the future. Would you trust this? No, I don't like it because again, I th I, I think that stuff like getting back to uh, as Rorschach says, where you, essentially you read something that is written purposely vaguely. Again, a, a big thing is coming, or you've been worried about something, but soon, blah blah blah. Yeah. You kind of read that, and actually, the first thing your brain goes to when you read it 
like that's the thing you can then go back and be like, oh, oh, hang on, maybe I am worried about this, or like maybe I'm hoping that X will happen, etc. So I think, like in a weird way, I don't hate all of that because I think the effect it has on you is quite interesting. Um, but no, so I think having actual predictions defeats the entire point. <laughs> I, yeah. I hate it. No. Yeah, I, I like specific predictions. My favourite ever horoscope, which was from Mystic Meg in the Sun, was you will find love with a celebrity chef <laughs> at a wedding. That was going to happen to one in 12 of the population that day. It was so specific. How many celebrity chefs thought there's a go around? I, I mean, know. No, there's a lot of them these days. I mean, when I did the papers the other day, and we, we didn't uh, mention it in the podcast, is irrelevant, but my horoscope, I think, in the mail was like, you should reconnect sexually with a former partner of yours. Is that, I, what? G- good morning good to idea. you, the Daily Mail. <laughs> and it was suddenly, again, like, such a, like, okay, who's writing that? Do they maybe have something on their mind? <laughs> and, like, it's, is yeah. one of was your ex-boyfriends a... Uh, no, so not to my knowledge, but yeah, like, I made that like, message all of them to be like, congrats on the new job at the mail and see who replies. <laughs> AI can do a lot of things, but it can't reach humankind's greatest pinnacle of achievement, the quality newspaper headline. Will a machine ever create something as beautiful? As the Dundee Evening Telegraph story shared with us on Twitter by listener Paul Evans, subhead, battle over discarded dog waste. Main headline, everybody was flung poo fighting. <laughs> Today's papers are going to have to go some to beat that. Marie, what's caught your eye? Uh, so in the mirror, we've got... Um, actually, no, I should say the mirror is having a really good day today. Um, so actor Adam Thomas uh, is joining Strictly Come Dancing, but his main worry is that actually he only really dances when he's drunk at parties. So mm. the mirror's gone with, I only do the boozy woogie. What have you got uh, here, Fergus? There's a story in The Sun uh, about a football fan who has been to see every Birmingham, Birmingham City game of the last 49 years. The headline is Brumbelievable. Very good. There's uh, another story uh, about Wolves' uh, manager, Lopetegui, has uh, just left. And they've gone for Wolf of Fall Street. Yep. Which is quite good. Yeah. Uh, and my favourite headline of the day is in the star. Uh, I, I know we, it will have not escaped any of us that uh, Talisa hasn't had sex for two years. It's Talisa from N-dubs. Talisa from N-dubs. For the young uh, people. And their headline is Talisa's N rubs <laughs> no zone. I, I genuinely find that really funny. Oh, I'm going to reach for the mind bleach. There's a lot of gloating today about the ill fortunes of Beyond Meat, the vegan meat substitute firm that's just reported that its sales were down a third on this time last year. The Telegraph can barely conceal its glee on its front page. How fake meat left a bad taste. The fall from grace of the once celebrated vegan empire. A huge piece inside in the feature section. Fergus, what's what's it saying? What's going on? Yeah, basically Beyond Meat, which I guess is the premier meat imitation brand their sales have gone down by a third in the last year which is does sound like quite a lot i had beyond meat vegan hot dogs last night yeah and it is fair to say i am gastric okay today (laughs) so you're the reason it's down by a third yes yes i guess this is a happy story for the telegraph just a sort of uh see we told you we were right Uh, it says a, ve- a vegan hot dog is probably no better for you than a meat one, actually. 
Yeah, it's but the pull quotes are all like, this is a Frankenstein food thing. It is true that it's very, we, you know, some of us a few years ago probably smugly thought that it was the healthier choice. But it is very, very, very processed food, isn't it? Yeah. But then, I mean, aside from the fact that the Telegraph clearly love the fact that Beyond Meat was was supported by Leonardo DiCaprio and Bill Gates and Kim Kardashian and, and all of these woke lovies, the people they hate. Behind that, isn't it just the story of like any new industry? You know, you launch, you have a big splash, you have a wobble, you have to settle. Things are not quite plain selling that you thought they were. It doesn't mean, and I speak as a, as a lifelong meat eater from generation of meat trade guys, this stuff is actually quite a good development. We cannot just continue eating endlessly increasing quantities of meat. Why is this happening? What is the chief executive, Ethan Brown, saying? Uh, he says, this change in perception is not without encouragement from interest groups, he said, who have succeeded in seeding doubt and fear around the ingredients and process used to, cre to create ours and other plant-based meats. Which dark guess, forces. Yes, dark forces, namely the telegraph. Yes. It's a win for us. It's big, it's big, it's big meat. Um, Marie, have you, have you uh, indulged in the, in the not meat meat? I've sort of tried and I'm not, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm yet to get convinced by it. I think that my, my, my route is probably realistically to eat less meat and better quality meat. I think, yeah. that, and I, I do kind of want to help the planet and so on, but I'm not sure that my, my personal journey involves um, fake meat. I think it's more going to like, you know, going to fancy butchers and buying meat once a week instead of like eating it more often. I think that's kind of... Um, what I would personally do because I, I just like the, the few bits I've tried I just didn't really like because again it, it felt really I think I get it if you're vegetarian or vegan but if you do eat meat it's a bit like oh this is kind of like a less good version of what I can eat anyway so I it's like an AI created Drake track it <laughs> But, but so I feel like juicier. listeners will not be able to see the, the stare <laughs> that Fergus gave when he mentioned Drake again. I mean, I like I say, lifelong meat eater, like a bit of meat. Yeah. I tried Leon's, I think it's beetroot based burger. Ugh. It was really nice. And it did, it had the mouthfeel of meat. It felt, you know, it, it felt highly plausible to me. I hated all of that from beetroot to mouthfeel. Okay, um, all right. No, no. But, but so. It, but no, no, sure. No, no, I, I get that. I'm, I'm probably just being Jeremy Clarkson here. Well, but the, but, counter, yeah. the counter argument from vegans is we don't want it to feel like meat. We don't want to eat meat. We want to mm. eat things that are. Also, okay, so that's kind of my thing. I'm yeah. tempted to side with the vegans here where I'm like, invent cool stuff. We've got, you've got the tech now to make new things. Just make new things, you know, yeah. surprise us. I think we should just cook and eat Drake. That'll be the fine way of doing it. Oh my God, didn't bring him up again. <laughs> I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, as we all know, it's not just about the front pages. The inside, the depths of the paper is where you really found out about life as it is lived by real people in the features, the true life tales, the fashion, the lifestyle and the YOY columns. So, what have we spotted today? I'm very telegraph yes. heavy today. Too posh to pick up, 
There's a story in the Telegraph about apparently litter is becoming more middle class. Posh litter. Posh litter, luxury litter, as they describe it. Uh, basically, what it boils down to, they've, someone somewhere has spotted that there's been quite a lot of M&S quiche packaging in their local litter, and they've managed to get a whole story out of it. Is this Waitrose Landfill? And uh, Apparently. It, they, they, somebody found, in June, I found a dead butterfly trapped in a punnet of Dutchy organic strawberries. <laughs> it died doing what it loves. Eating go. strawberries. So basically, litter is now middle class. Litter is now middle class. You know, every the world's upside down. Taste the difference. We don't know garbage. where we are anymore. Yeah. And also... Because litter has always usually been the preserve of scum. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got another one there. Uh, and uh, there's also something about uh, gay nip combs. Now, can you read the headline? Because this is the, you just can't say gay nip combs. What the hell is this all about? Uh, the head. I was going. I'm going to get, get yeah. to it. Uh, the headline is gay nip combs shine dubious light on Mary Rose. Uh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. we understand. Basically, curators at the Mary Mary Rose Museum have been criticised after claiming objects found on Henry VIII's flagship have LGBT meanings. There's some kind of blog been written on their website where they've made quite a stretch to suggest somehow Nick Combs make us think about our gender identity or something like that. Don't they just make us think about, like, I don't want to have nits? Yeah, it's a, it's a real stretch. As, as someone who is generally on the side of of woke, sometimes we really don't do ourselves any <laughs> yeah, favours. Yeah. Um, some, th- there's, you know, people have been complaining about on Twitter. They've got a quote here from someone. I am as keen as anyone on gay sex, but I have to say, these curators, you're fucking mental. <laughs> that's that's just the great author, Philip Henshaw, who is a chap who has got serious standing in this. He's written a lot about LGBTQ plus stuff, and if he's saying it's mental, I, I sort of think the idea that knit combs and mirrors are gay is very, very odd, because, and sort of slightly insulting to well, often, the community. Often when you get into these Agenda things. Yes. There's often actually some really bad stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, Isn't know, the yeah. problem that academic, like academics, I think, have been writing mental stuff for as long as academia has existed, and we mm. just need to leave them in a corner. Like the internet, I think, has been very bad for academics. It certainly we, has. we need them to have their little corners and do their insane stuff, and no one should notice. Yes. Marie, you've got a, a somewhat uh, less, slightly less mental story about classic British desserts dying out. Um, the Mirror's headline is Fears Lesser Spotted Dick is Dying. Uh, could vanish, could vanish. Could vanish. The Lesser dick could vanish. Dick, yeah, vanishing dick. Um, and the Times says that under 35s think that traditional desserts are old-fashioned. What's going on? Which are the desserts under threat? Well, so actually, so I would say my favourite bit of this mirror story which I'd not spotted originally is at the bottom there's a kind of like so you know a bit like endangered animals sort of like list from like the WWF or whatever it's like top five under threat in all caps <laughs> and then one syllabub I have never heard of this in my entire life two queen of puddings no idea three cherries jubilee also no idea so they clearly have a point four strawberry fool which feels like like that old-fashioned slang for gay. Um, and five, curd tart, which actually also sounds like old-fashioned slang for gay. Um, but yes, no, so apparently millions of people under the age of 35 have never tried a jam roadie poly, figgy pudding, strawberry fool and curd tart because they view them as old-fashioned. And yeah, I've... So I, I've tried jam roadie poly before. 
um, and that's that. So mm. as, as someone who is currently under 35, um, can say they, that that story clearly has a point. Um, Isn't it But because the reason perhaps they're perceived as being old-fashioned is because they are old-fashioned and they're stodgy? Also, I will say the sticky toffee pudding is actually quite old-fashioned as well, but yeah. it is delicious and actually you can still find it in most restaurants. So, so again, I think, you know, it's, it's a meritocracy of puddings. Fergus, while we're on puddings and food and health and stuff, you've got a health story. Apparently, the idea that you need to do 10,000 steps to not die is a myth. Well, it's not quite a myth, but basically it's saying if, it's a story again in The Telegraph saying uh, that don't worry too much about 10,000 steps. Uh, almost any steps is good for you. Even hitting 2,337 daily steps, which is very specific, will start to lower the risk of dying from diseases of the heart and blood vessels. Um, and then it's, it says, adding more steps after that brings additional benefits with each increase of a 1,000 steps reducing the risk of early death by 15%, which sort of means like if you get to sort of 15,000 steps, then you will never die. You'll be immortal. And so, you'll, ha you'll have sore feet, but you'll never, never die. Yeah. That's good. Great advice for, for all listeners there. And finally, on the health front, the papers are absolutely obsessed with health, aren't they? Marie, you've got they one. They are. Here. Well, there's because, you know, most of the people who buy newspapers are quite old. So, what's this story about nuts? It's just really bad science. Um, okay. So it's handful of nuts linked to lower risk of depression, which interesting. And if I don't know when we had to want to, you know, reveal how the sausage gets made, but I feel like before we recorded this, you said that's a bullshit story, and I said no, hang on, I feel like it's actually quite interesting. And then I read it, and I said, oh my god, no, it is actually complete bullshit. So it's a classic um, correlation, not causation, isn't it? Uh, it is. So we see the way they, because like the headline is, you know, the kind of first sentence of the piece is eating a handful of nuts every day is associated with a 17% lower risk of depression, scientists have said. But then you kind of <laughs> dig deeper into it. So the research people, they looked at data from more than 13,000 people aged 37 to 73 uh, over 13 years. Um, and none of whom had depression at the beginning. And, and yeah, like they track mental health, but also nut consumption. Um, which, sure, you know what, fine. Sponsored by Mr. Uh, Tom. Yeah. Well, yes, carry on. Um, but no, the great thing is that you, you can tell a story is dodgy when you, you can sort of hear the journalists sighing as they type. Because, you know, basically the entire end of the story is, although the scientists had theories as to how nuts could help alleviate depression, the way the study was designed meant it was impossible to say for sure that they caused the difference. Now you um, tell us. Yeah. yeah, it could be that people who eat nuts differ in other ways. <laughs> For instance, that they have other behaviours that make them less prone to depression. It could also be that people who are depressed prefer to eat more immediately gratifying snacks. So yeah, in conclusion, who knows? Then again, have you ever seen a depressed squirrel? I haven't. They're always bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They look quite forlorn sometimes, I think, in London. Well, that's South London for you. And that brings the curtain down on another edition of Paper Cuts. Our podcast is now tomorrow's digital chip paper. Thanks to Marie Leconte. New book out next week. Thank you. Correct. Jolly good. And thanks to Fergus Gray. New book out in October. Excellent. Ooh, is that predicted by an AI mystic Megatron? It is, isn't is it? Is it about Drake? Probably. Yes. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. If you really love us, join Glad to Wear Glasses and big us up on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a juicy five-star review and it'll help the show live long and prosper. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Paper Cuts Show. And we're on threads as well. Links to everything is in the show notes. Be back on Friday 
for Fix the Headline, where if you can write a better headline than the one we choose from that day's papers, you might win a Papercuts t-shirt. I've been Andrew Harrison. You've been listening to Papercuts on a day when somebody paid £117,000 for a 1960s Batmobile toy. Brand new in box Japanese edition. Sounds like a bargain to me. See you next time.